0: Morning slash evening. Welcome to the Calories and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China-Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, and I will be joined by the, I guess once again, wayfaring Dr. Nkemjika Kalu. Dr. Kalu, how is your phone treating you?
1: Oh, my phone has a mind of its own here in Africa. It likes to eat up a lot of money and not give me airtime or web browsing time, but These are the joys of adventure when one has relocated to a brand new country. How are things in D.C.?
0: Things are good. It's my grandmother's birthday, so after this pod, I'm going to do a few things and then then give my grandmother a call. I think it's it's her 90th birthday, although don't quote me on that. Big one. Uh, And so I look forward to talking to her and her telling me how terrible my Spanish is and how much weight I put on. As, as grandmothers are, are tend to, to do, I've I put on a few pounds, so it's embarrassing. <laughs> but whatever, that's, that's the danger of running a China-Africa podcast. Today's episode, which is part two of our interview with uh, Miss Jenny Marsh, is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duro, seeks to connect development workers with professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. Once again, this is part two of our interview with Miss Jenny Marsh. Uh, You can find part one uh, on I don't know, what is this, episode 33 of the podcast? And we are talking about her incredible article, Afro-Chinese marriages boom in Guangzhou, but will it be till death do us part? Which is published on the June 1st edition of the South China Morning Post's post magazine, with a grant from the with china Africa Reporting Project. And we are going to get right to the, the questions. Uh, and if you want a f- more fuller introduction once again, you can go to part one of the podcast. Jenny, could you tell us what struck you the most about the relationships that you encountered?
2: Sure. Um, I think what really struck me most was how functional these relationships were. So, um, they were I think people were marrying for love most of the time, but the relationships really tied up with business um, so for and most of the time, the couples met through business as well, so I think that's probably a big factor in it.
0: Um, Could you give a few examples of, of, of what you're talking about here?:
2: Yeah, sure. so um so Africans in Guangzhou are mainly traders, and what they're doing is buying lots of goods in bulk, and they're shipping them back to their country. And they're normally buying those goods from Chinese wholesalers. So it's often the African trader that meets the Chinese wholesaler and that's kind of where this romance kind of begins to blossom. So once they get married, what tends to happen is the African man can't legally open a shop in China. Some of them just do it illegally. and That's kind of one way of getting around it. But to be legitimate, the Chinese wife opens the shop. And so then he has this much better business chain of factory to source in Africa because the wife runs, runs the shop and then she often speaks to the factory because she can communicate and she has contacts so they become business partners as well as romantic partners and I saw that time and time again there was practically no one no couple that weren't involved apart from the couples that I interviewed in the church community and even though they, they were involved in the church together so they're kind of these are very equal relationships and for a Chinese woman, that's really interesting because I met one one woman, Michelle, who told me she likes being married to an African man because she can be a strong businesswoman, and she felt that if she was married to a Chinese man, that wouldn't be the case. Like her prospects would be very different.
0: I I have always heard never mix business with family, so <laughs> so I, this uh, um, I I am so happy that these. Had these relationships are so successful. I don't know. Although I will say, in in the Chinese context, especially for like, let's say a Chinese a Fujianese couple moving to an African country to open up a little shop, the 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 romantic and, and business uh, relationship can be quite intertwined in, in China. And and maybe that might be an existing sort of um, cultural motif that that these African relationships sort of slide into. But that's just a, a theory. That's still a really interesting point. So at the, at the South China Morning Post, are, are, there, are there relationships between journalists and then writing you know, bylines together after they're married?
2: <laughs> no, no, we're very professional at South China Morning Post.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And I can, I, can, I can edit that part out if, if, if you don't want me joking about that, which is totally fine.
2: Oh, no, it's fine. Don't worry.
1: Wonderful. I'm very excited about this part. Because the implication of your article is immense. So, actually, I know Esker says we have two questions. Well, I have three. I think I'll probably start with a light, Lobby, uh, a lighter question. How did you feel? Because um, a lot of the responses and comments in your article have been um, quite strongly worded. What's your take on, um, on the comment section to your
2: article? It's quite a bit disappointing, but maybe not that surprising, because there is this whole problem of uh, racial prejudice in China. And I found that a little bit anecdotally uh, in Guangzhou. Like there was one guy that told me that when he goes to get his car washed, um, he can hear all the Chinese uh, workers moaning about cleaning his car because they think Africans smell. But he speaks Mandarin, so he knows what they're saying. So, you know, there is racism out there and it's disappointing And it was on Weibo as well, and people were saying all this stuff on Weibo. Um, They were saying two things. The first one was, if Chinese and Africans have babies, maybe China will actually be good at football in the future.
0: (laughs) That is the most delightfully Chinese comment I've ever heard.
2: Yeah, but then the rest of the comments uh, were extremely racist. And I found it amazing that people were happy to say that kind of thing on a social network with their picture next to it and their name next to it. Yes, I mean, China still has problems with that, but on the flip side of it, these relationships that they exist does show that that's progressing and there's change so
0: i I do want to interject and say that you know as as an american who who's seen a lot of terrible internet comments on our own media platforms eh, comments on the internet eh can't you can't get too down on them
2: oh yeah, I mean. People tend to go on a comments page just to have a bit of a rant. I think.
0: Yes, um, and, and and I'm going to posit that that that, that, um, that Chinese people are no different than Americans in writing terrible. I've been no different than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But sorry, sorry to interrupt. Continue. I make reference
1: to the to the ESPN comments regarding the Nigeria USA game last night on the um, GameCast. The comments were atrocious. I was really? I didn't even sites.
0: look read them. <laughs> oh, well, I, I know what I'm doing after this pod. <laughs>
1: um, but I think what, what really struck me about the comments is that um, I think that they do matter in the grand scheme of things because these changing relationships and these changing definitions of who a Chinese person is will matter with regard to um, China's conception of race and foreigners, and can you talk about um, what you think? How these, I guess, what will these relationships mean for China's conception of race and foreigners, and how you perceive the impact of a growing population of Afro Chinese individuals with Chinese citizenship and a Chinese identity, as opposed to um, the African identity or the African citizenship? Um, of the Afates. especially I think one of the stories you, you had mentioned in the article was of the African gentleman whose mother in law was poisoning his half African, half Chinese children against Africa. And there are all of these, these, these interactions that will affect China and are changing China. And China's not going to be, and Chinese people aren't going to be what we imagine them as being, that's that's a changing concept. Could you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, I think it's really, really interesting. And um, initially I wanted to write my whole article about these kids. This is where it all started. But then it became really difficult because you can't really interview Um, (laughs) eight-year-olds. And (laughs) you you can try, but. um, So these children aren't grown up yet. I didn't really meet any kids that were beyond 10 years old. But what happens to them is going to be really interesting, because I think if they stay in China, that is, they're going to be the first group of kids, mixed race kids, with a a parent that's a migrant from a faraway place that came to China as a result of China going to their country first. And that's quite a common pattern, you know, with uh, imperial powers. When you go to another country, you get this reverse migration flow, so it's... It's interesting for that reason they have like a, a legitimate relationship or reason why they're in that country almost because China formed that relationship with their country first
0: did you just say imperial power
2: well yeah sorry
0: no, no that, that, that's that that's that's fine i um uh, <laughs> could you expand on that answer this question
2: I suppose no that was a i was thinking more of um Countries like the UK, when it was an imperial power, then we have huge Indian populations, and now China obviously is making it very clear that it's it's not um, colonising or even a, a neo-colonial power, but it is having kind of is going into countries and having very big political and economic uh, influence in the way that old colonial powers used to. So I suppose it's not surprising that you're seeing some of the same. Um, side effects of that, like reverse migration flows. So you have these children. And I think um, what was interesting was the kindergarten that I visited that was set up specifically uh, to deal with Guangzhou's mixed um, like multiracial society. So these kids from a really young age are learning about other cultures. And this, the kindergarten serves halal food. And I asked the teacher there, <coughs> <laughs> yes, it's great. Um, and I asked the teacher if there had been any examples of racism amongst the children or incidents, um, and she said there hadn't been. I mean, these kids are very young; they're not older than seven, so maybe that's not surprising. But also, I think if you grow up with um, different racial identities around you, maybe it helps you not to be uh, prejudiced. So that's good. And a lot of the African community are very excited about these children because they think they're gonna have a very powerful unique position because as China and Africa's uh, relationship grows, understanding Africa might become more important uh, to China in the future. And these children will understand both African and Chinese cultures. They might speak a local African language if the the father passes that on to them at home. They'll speak Mandarin. They normally speak a Western language too, either English or French. So they're gonna have quite a unique position in Chinese society. And that could end up really doing them a lot of favors when they go out into the world and try and find a job and that type of thing. So I, I hope China treats them well and they don't experience racism. But it's kind of a little bit too early yet to see how they're gonna, that's gonna play out.
0: expand on, on Dr. Kalu's question of like the idea of citizenship in China or what it means to be Chinese and and whether these children will help shift the definition of being Chinese is generally being Han Chinese.
2: Yeah, it's, it is really interesting because they do have um, Chinese passports and citizenship and hukou and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's changing that idea of who can have a Chinese passport because as a foreigner you can't, really, you can't achieve that, you can't become Chinese. But because these children have a Chinese mother as long as they're registered under her name, then uh, they can do that. But what I found uh, quite interesting is that if you're in a family where there are three children or two children, it might be that the first child has a Chinese passport and the hooky and all the rest of it. But if the family can't afford to pay, I think it was uh, 30,000 RMB to waive the one child fee, one child policy tax, if you like, then you can have two younger children in the same family with the same parents but they don't have any rights in china and uh, you know when they turn eighteen they'll have to start applying for temporary visas like their fathers do even though they are born in china and they are chinese
0: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's going to be some family drama i'm sure
2: yeah i mean i don't know what will happen i think that's crazy i mean that's the kind of situation where you could end up having protests and that could really lead to social unrest because it's such an unjust system.
0: China does not deal well with protests <laughs> and social unrest. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, but no, that's a, a, a really good point. In, in your time in China, have you personally seen a shift in attitudes and, and maybe more cosmopolitan cities? Of what it means to be Chinese, so not not about foreigners, not how foreigners are treated, but you know, China does make an attempt to incorporate all their ethnic minorities in the Greater China project. Um, but will will distinctly foreign-looking people be allowed to be conceived of as Chinese? Have you seen those shifts happen?
2: Honestly, no. I haven't, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened because I haven't researched uh, Chinese identity. But there was the incident with the American Idol contestant, Lu Jing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Lu Lu Jing. Uh, What was it? The the angel competition or something like that.
2: Yeah, it was like uh, China's version of American Idol in 2009 and and she was an Afro-Chinese singer. And the main thing that bloggers wanted to know was, you know, how can a mixed race contestant become a Chinese idol?
0: Oh, deep question. With that, with that, I think we're 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 gonna go on to recommendation list. Dr. Kalu, do you have any other questions to ask?
1: No, I think I think that um, we've done a good job of really bringing forth the questions that the Chinese government are going to have to deal with with their policymaking in the next eighteen to twenty years. <laughs> well, actually, no, it might be sooner, ten to twelve years, with their you know, if the kids are eight and ten years old right now good heavens i don't envy the chinese
0: government <laughs> it's a tough country to run so yeah jenny do you, do you have any other recommendations for our listeners
2: i do um there's a really good film called my father's house which was oh, made by oh my father's <laughs> house
0: yeah sorry about that good to do you've seen it yes
2: yeah um, it's really good and it's um, one of the guys I interviewed in the piece, Pastor Ignatius, he's part of this, he's like the main character in this film. Um, and it's about the underground church that he's a pastor at, but it's kind of about lots more than that and um, he and his wife Winnie are talking about the one-child policy in the film and trading and all kinds of stuff and it's just it's a really interesting look at the community in Guangzhou.
0: A, a particular subset of the community, it's um, Nigerian Pentecostal church, is that, That's is that right. that
2: correct?
0: Yeah. And, what, and one of the things that I want our listeners to know about is that, you know, the African community in Guangzhou is really diverse. And, and I really love my father's house because it looks this small slice of it um, and, and tells a really interesting story. Although I, I will say missionary foreign religion in China is a tough, tough road to hoe, especially if you're black. Um, and it's such a fascinating story that, that they'll, they'll go uh, ahead with it. But yeah, where did you watch the movie?
2: Um, I emailed David Bandersky and he sent me a copy of it because he actually lives about three streets away from me in in Hong Kong.
0: Oh, terrific. I, so I saw the movie in the Smithsonian and I don't know how to get my hands on it, but yeah, it's an amazing, it's really fascinating, really interesting story. It made me want to open up my own church. (laughs) <laughs> in in, in my, my own Nigerian church, and really, really great, great recommendation. That's about it. Do you have any other recommendations, or or are, are you good with that?
2: I'm good with that one.
0: Fantastic. Before we sign off, Jenny, how do people find you on the interwebs? Do you have a website or Twitter account that you'd like to share with us?
2: I do have a Twitter account. Yep, I tweet at uh, Jenny Marsh, but the I is a one, rather than an I.
0: So, J-E-N-N-1-M-A-R-S-H.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Ter- terrific. And what do you tweet about usually?
2: I normally tweet about China news um, and tech stuff. China and tech, I would say.
0: Ooh. yeah, Ter- Terrific. I don't know if I've been keeping up on your tech stuff. Although, yes, you're, you do have a lot of a good uh, China news uh, tweets. So, yes, fo- all 10 of our listeners, follow her, please. On <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, Dr. Kalu, what about yourself?
1: I am on the Twitter web, and my handle is at College. And sometimes I blog at cowregionright.blogspot.com. Cowregionright.blogspot.com.
0: You don't want to give us your, your WordPress?
1: <laughs> well, I never remember that one.
0: Uh, there, it, she it, does, it, yeah, she, you do have a WordPress. It's like Nkenyikalu something something. Are, something, are you something. gonna Are you gonna meditate on the Nigerian national team for the World Cup? Maybe vlog a little about Most that. Most likely, I'm I'm gonna wait
1: till two days before the World Cup, and then I'll issue an apology on all of my social media platforms. Because then the next month of my life is going to be strictly, well, not strictly, but mostly sports related. Actually, side story. You'll love this. I thought conscripted is a little bit of a harsh term to use, but I was added on to a wedding party um, for a wedding that will be taking place in two weeks. And my biggest concern was that the wedding preparations required a week-long sequester between the bridal shower and the actual wedding ceremony. And I was freaking out because it was during the World Cup. Normally, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think it's a fascinating adventure. I was like, oh, well, I hope they have cable, and I'm just going to have to apologize to everybody because when the matches are on, that's where my attention will be. Even when... Um, hold on, let me think this through. Even when Russia is playing... Who else is in that group? Whoever else is in that group. Their group is not very exciting. I shouldn't say that. But even when the games aren't <laughs> supposed to be too great, I'm sorry, but... Football is just a wonderful love of ours, mine. So that's what I'll be doing. And hopefully also, you know, wedding stuff. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Briefly want to state, I, I, I came back from Russia about uh, a week ago, two weeks ago. Lovely country, lovely football. Don't want anybody from Russia angry at the podcast.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not, I, we, we don't mean that Russia's footballism. <laughs> I'm just saying a lot of the other groups have stronger rivalries within the group, so um, the particular groups that they're in, I still expect them to give us wonderful football. They just aren't storied rivalries in their particular group, but it'll still be great games. I mean, they did a lot of work to get to the World Cup, so we expect them to come out and make it worth our while.
0: Man, well, well, best of luck to the Super Eagles, and, and I look forward and to... to
1: your, your team, teams, plural. We know we know what they are.
0: <laughs> and who they are. <laughs> and I look for, I look forward to to, to hearing your your, your your thoughts on the World Cup. Alright. I myself can be found on Cowries My Twitter handle is at Winslow underscore R. Cowries and Rice is blowing up. You should follow us. And our the Twitter account has been interesting. Oh, um massive coup. Professor um, Celestius Juma, Celestius Juma, the guy up at Harvard, yep. is starting to use the hashtag SinoAfrica because that he's having a amazing. Twitter chat. Be- and it was not no joke because I maybe kind of talked to him a little bit and be like, you might want to use this hashtag. So I do have some pull on Twitter. I'm very proud of myself. That, that, that We're very proud this. of you as well. Yes, uh, I, I've come a long that way, shows. baby. <laughs> Uh, that's about it for today's episode. We would like to thank Jenny for joining us this evening from Hong Kong. Uh, I, I imagine that it's past your bedtime and, and you're, you're going to ha- have to go to sleep right after this. And so I appreciate you, you, you giving, us, giving us your time. Uh, we would like to thank African Development Jobs for being a wonderful sponsor. This podcast we be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. We have applied to put it up on the Blackberry Network. And we are working on trying to get it up on Chinese iTunes. If you have any recommendations about where else we should post it, we are listening. We hope to reach more media platforms in the future. We would also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for closing the theme song. And thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care.